have been in a series, and it's called The Gift That Keeps On Giving. Uh, I think it's been pretty good. Have y'all enjoyed it? Yeah. You enjoyed it? Okay. Uh, have you learned a lot about the Holy Spirit? Yeah. Probably some things that you, you had some misconceptions about, maybe some misunderstandings about, or maybe some gaps that were in, in your own thinking. Probably taught a lot of things that there wasn't, it wasn't the Holy Spirit, something like that. But whatever it was, uh, we're here to grow and see what the Bible says about anything in context, anything whatsoever. And so specifically, right now, we're talking about the Holy Spirit. Last month, we talked about giving. month before that, we talked about joy and the garment of praise. And so we're building. All the, everything that we do builds up. Even next series, we're going into better year, better you. Well, it ain't going to be better if, you're not getting the, if you don't have the Holy Spirit running with you. <laughs> so let me just tell you, today is very important. Today is one of my favorite messages because it's probably the most controversial topic of all of Scripture, all of the Bible, and it's things that I don't know. It's caused a lot of division. It caused a lot of, a lot of, uh, caused a lot of things, a lot of, a lot of healing, a lot of empowerment, a lot of uh, moving of the gospel forward, a lot of expansion of the church, but it also causes a lot of friction and things like that. So we're going to try to break down any friction and confusion that we possibly can. We've been doing that the last five weeks where we talked about when we're talking about the gift of, that keeps on giving, we're talking about the Holy Spirit. And what we said was, in the first week, was, is, uh, who is he? Well, he is not an it. Some, some theological persuasions try to say he is an it. He is not an it. He, he clearly is a he. He is a third person of the Trinity. And so he is God. And so then we say, is he a person? Well, Scripture clearly says that he has a mind, will, and emotion. So he has a soul. And so, yes, he is a person. Uh, then we talked about, is he Pentecostal or is he charismatic? And we, just, we debunked all the myths and the thoughts about what Pentecostal is and what charismatic is. And we said, yes, he, in fact, according to the Bible, he is both charismatic and he is very Pentecostal. And so, uh, so we got rid of some of the other myths without having to go into it. Last week, we talked about the gift that Christ, the gifts that Christ gave, and Christ gave, uh, gives us the Holy Spirit. And then we also talked about the, Christ, the, the gifts of the, of the Spirit vaguely. We didn't go in great detail. I would need to do a whole class, weekend class series on that. But we did go, then we went into the gifts that Christ gave the church. And that's in Ephesians 4. We talked about those. So Christ gives us the Holy Spirit. Christ gives us the five gifts that are in Ephesians 4. Apostle, prophet, the evangelist, pastor, and the teacher. So he gives us all those those definitely need to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. So he's not going to give us dif differing gifts for the sake of division. They have to join with one another. Everything in Scripture comes together. And as you read Old Testament and New Testament, if you really dive into Old Testament, you'll start to see the New Testament in the Old Testament. You'll start to see spiritual truths based on natural happenings from the Old Testament. not going to take you there today, but we might next year. So I'm going to breeze through because we're talking about does he baptize, and does he speak in tongues? So we're going to talk about these things in two separate blocks, and I'm going to give you some points for each. And so we're talking about first, does he baptize? I want to break, break through this really fast. I think you guys are learned, educated on some of these things and many of these things, so I shouldn't have to just sit down on very long on any of it. But the Holy Spirit baptizes us in Jesus. That's number one. The Holy Spirit baptizes us in Jesus, because nobody comes to the Father unless the Holy Spirit draws him, and so he draws us to Jesus. If, you've already, if you're in Christ Jesus, if, you're, if you have been saved, then you have already had an experience with the Holy Spirit, whether you knew it or not. You may think you chose to come to Jesus, but the Holy Spirit led you to Jesus, and so when he did, he baptized Jesus. I mean, sorry, the Holy Spirit actually baptized you in Jesus. Look at this in, in verse 1 Corinthians 12, 13. says, For by one Spirit, we only got one Spirit, the Holy Spirit, we were all baptized into one body. Now, who's doing the baptizing? The Holy Spirit. And who is he baptizing us into? The body. And that's Jesus. Jesus, the body of, is the body of Christ. So the Holy Spirit baptizes us in Jesus. What's the baptism with? The blood of Jesus. And so, number two, the disciple baptizes us in water. Now, we can all... It, I don't have to do all the baptism, by the way. I encourage you guys to baptize those who are close to you, who you love, who love you. And there, it's very important that you do that, that you, you understand that you can do that, and you have the authority to do that. Disciples baptize us in water. 
Matthew 28, 19 says this, Go there, therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. So can we agree there that disciples baptize in water, baptize, baptize one another in water, okay? We're good with that. Are y'all good that when it says to baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, are y'all okay with that part? Because there's some, uh, some persuasions that say, no, you can only be baptized in the name of Jesus. And I'm going to give you a scripture later that talks about that. And so there's a division caused because some people believe in baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And some say, no, it can only be in Jesus. And so there's a, there's a division even right there. Well, Paul says, let there be no divisions amongst you. I don't think that Jesus is going to say, I'm sorry you got baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. You can't come into heaven. I don't think that's going to happen, so I'm pretty sure it's better to cover all your bases. I'm going to get baptized in you, you, and you, just in case I'm going to baptize in everybody. But uh, we can talk further if you have an issue with that. We'll set aside time. Now, number three is Jesus baptizes us in the Holy Spirit. Jesus baptizes us in the Holy Spirit. And some say, well, Ephesians 4 says, well, we're all in baptized, and there's only one baptism. Well, let me break that down because there's only one Lord, right? But there's three persons to one Lord. There's three baptisms into one baptisms. There's three in one in all things. Let me, let me, let me take this a little bit further. So Matthew 3.11 says this, I indeed, this is Paul, I mean John, I indeed uh, baptize you with water unto repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He, Jesus, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. So who is doing the baptism here? Jesus is doing the baptism. What is he baptizing us in or with? The Holy Spirit. Okay, Jesus baptizes us in the Holy Spirit. So let me look at these verses together. Number one, the Holy Spirit baptizes us in Jesus. That's 1 Corinthians 12, 13. The disciple baptizes us in water. That's Matthew 28, 19. Jesus baptizes us in the Holy Spirit, Matthew 3.11. So there's three baptisms. There's one is salvation, one is blood. I'm sorry, one is water, rather. That salvation is blood. One is water, and one is spirit. So you've got Jesus, you've got salvation, you've got the water baptism, then you've got the spirit baptism. So Jesus actually is our first example. He was born right. He didn't need to be saved. He is salvation. And then he was water baptized, and then he was spirit baptized. Remember, as soon as he was water baptized, the spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. So if Jesus needed to be baptized to be empowered, how much more do you and I need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit so that we can be empowered? So Jesus was ba Jesus baptism. Okay, so the baptism of the Holy Spirit is in Jesus. A lot of time in the charismatic and what I grew up in it was always a baptism of the Holy Spirit, baptism of the Holy Spirit, baptism of the Holy Spirit. Well, we had a grammatical error in that, and so it creates a lot of confusion. Because technically, we will say, have you received the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Well, our thought, what we're thinking we're saying is, have you been baptized in, in the Holy Spirit? But what we're actually saying is, have you been baptized in Jesus? Because the baptism of the Holy Spirit is being baptized in Jesus. Now, the baptism, because Jesus is the one who, sorry, the Holy Spirit baptizes us in Jesus. So the, whole, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is to be baptized in Jesus. Now, the baptism in or with the Holy Spirit is when Jesus baptizes us in or with the Holy Spirit. You see the difference is a grammatical error when we talk about, do you, have you received the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Well, absolutely, I'm saved. So that creates a lot of confusion amongst denominations as well, and so we have to break down, what are we really saying? What we're really saying is, have you received the baptism of Jesus, which is the baptism in or with the Holy Spirit? Because Jesus is the one who baptizes us in. Just like whenever you get a disciple baptizes you with water, but you're in water, right? We agree? When Jesus baptizes you with the Holy Spirit, you're in the Holy Spirit. You are immersed in the Holy Spirit. So, we got it. We got to get it. In fact, this is one of the only things, one of the few things that we find in all four Gospels. 
says it this in Mark 1, like this in Mark 1, 8. It says, I indeed baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Luke 3, 16 says, John answered, saying to all, I indeed baptize you with water, but one mightier than I is coming, whose sandal strap I am not worthy to lose, to, to loose. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Then again, John 1, 3, 3 says, I did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, Upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. So this is one of the few things you actually find in all four Gospels that are so consistent, consistently written. Very important that we know that. It's very important that we get that. It's very important that we accept that as well. And so here's what happened after. We know the time of Pentecost, we talked about that. The Holy Spirit fell, and everyone was baptized in or with the Holy Spirit. And then there was manifestations, which we, were talking about, we talked about last week, is just to make known, to be made known. So there was, there was people speaking a new language. There must have been other things taking place because Peter gets up, and he starts talking about the, ver- the passage of what Joel said, talked about prophesying, talked about visions and dreams. And so let's accept that the Holy Spirit gives us power. The Holy Spirit has empowered us to be witnesses for Jesus. He gives us gifts, empowers us with gifts, but also the fruit of the Spirit as well. And so as much as we need the fruit of the Spirit, we need to operate in the gifts of the Spirit and if the gifts are not for today, then maybe the fruit's not today what you believe. And that might carry some attitude issues that may, we may be confronting even right now. And so if the fruit is good, then the gifts must be good too. So, but let's talk about it. Because a lot of people will say, well, that was just for the apostles. The gifts were for the apostles. Can we truly prove that the gifts were just for the apostles in Scripture? Acts 2.38 says, Then Peter said to them, Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift. Now, last week we talked about what Jesus says the gift was. The gift is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I'll show you in history, in the context of Acts, how this plays out and continues to play out over time. That was Acts 2. That was sometime not long following the, uh, the Pentecost experience for the 120, because it wasn't just for the apostles. There was 120, and then even more got saved. Well, here's another experience later on in a different environment in Acts 2.38, where Peter goes, and he, he says to confess and to repent and receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So there's another time, another experience that this takes place. Well, I'm going to give you Acts 8. Acts 8.12 says, But when they believed Philip, as he preached the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, both men and women were baptized. Now this is, they received Jesus, they believed in Jesus, and then they were baptized in water. Next, next uh, sorry, I'm going I'm to skip a verse. It talks about Simon getting baptized as well and seeing miracles, signs, and wonders. Acts 8.14 says, Now when the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that, that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them. Verse 15, he, Who, when they had come down, prayed for them that they, may, they might receive the Holy Spirit. You see there's two separate experiences here. They get baptized. They, they come to Jesus. They get baptized in water. But then later, they get baptized in the Holy Spirit. Are you, are you seeing this with me? Two separate experiences. Next verse, Acts 8, 16. For as yet he had fallen upon none of them. They had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Acts 8, 17. Then they laid hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. This is the baptism in or with the Holy Spirit, which is the baptism of Jesus. So this is the baptism in the Holy Spirit. They received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, after having been saved, after having been water baptized, and boom, now they finally got filled with the Spirit. So the question here for us is, okay, have you, have you received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? And if you have, yes, you have received the promise of the Holy Spirit, but you haven't necessarily received the baptism in the Holy Spirit. 
Are you starting to see the differences? Okay. And many of us may be plateaued right there, wondering, why is my life not empowered like the Gospels say I should be and Acts say I should be? And, and Paul says throughout the letters, the epistles to the church, why does my life not look like that? It might be because we think we have received the fullness of the Holy Spirit, but we've actually only received the promise of the gift of the Holy Spirit to come. Because you receive that at salvation. Acts 19, Acts 19.1 says, and it, shall, and it happened that while Apollos was in Corinth, that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus, and finding some disciples, he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They said, so they said to him, um, we have not so much as heard that there, whether there was a Holy Spirit. And that might be the church that you came from. Maybe you've been to that church where we didn't talk about the Holy Spirit. And you're thinking, well, I didn't even know there was a Holy Spirit. I didn't even know that the Holy Spirit existed today. I didn't even know that we needed the Holy Spirit. I didn't, what I was taught was that, that all, all that died with, with the apostles. And many, 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 many people have been taught that very same thing, but yet you can't find it in Scripture anywhere. In fact, you find the contrast of that. Acts, 9, Acts 2 was right at the time of Pentecost. Acts 8 was five years after Pentecost. Acts 19, Acts 19 was 10 years, I'm sorry, Acts 10 was at 10 years after Pentecost, which is another experience where the, the Holy Spirit fell and people got baptized in or with the Holy Spirit. Acts 10, that was 10 years after Pentecost. And Acts 19 is 25 years after Pentecost. So it's a continuation it's a promise for, for you, for your children, and all who are afar off. Remember that from last week we talked about? Acts 19, 30, 30 says, And he said to them, Into what then were you baptized? So they said, to him, Into John's baptism. Acts 19, 4 says, Then Paul said, Well, John indeed baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on him who, who would come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. Wasn't that interesting? That's a very interesting situation that has taken place there that we see. Now, this was not the apostles, nor was this the 120 in the upper room. Now, why is this happening again if supposedly it died with the apostles? There's a conflict of interest right here. There's a conflict of understanding. There's a conflict of theology. There's a conflict of persuasion. I'm pretty sure the Bible's got to defend itself, and it's got to interpret itself. Look at this. There's three baptisms together. 1 John 5, 7 says, For there are three that bear witness in heaven. Remember, we talked about the three in one, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit, and these three are one. Next verse says, verse 8 says, And there are three that bear witness on earth, the Spirit, the water, and the blood. And these three agree also as one. Now, when we are saved, we are baptized in Jesus. That's the baptism of blood. When we, when we have the water baptism, it's not just a symbol. A lot of times you say, well, it's just a, people will say, well, it's just a symbol of your salvation. It's not a symbol. It is literally you being cut off from the old nature, and you come up a new man. So it's very important that you get water baptized if you have not been water baptized. And many, many were baptized as a young child, but then actually you got saved later in life and you really need to be baptized because you just got dunked as a child and now that you've been saved, it's time to truly be water baptized so that the old nature can be cut off and you can walk in the new. Now, wow, I've been, Pastor, I've been, I've been baptized after salvation. I still wrestle with the old nature. Great. Now you need the baptism of the Holy Spirit so that you can be empowered to live beyond the old nature, which has truly been cut off from you, so that you can be empowered to walk in the new nature that Christ has given you. That might be the answer for your, for your situation. That might be the answer for your better year, better you in 2020. Okay, so let's talk about this. Does he speak in tongues? Because in 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14, here's the one where it gets really weird. 
in, in, you know, if I were up here speaking in Spanish to you, or if I had my, my sister-in-law coming up here and speaking Spanish together, y'all would feel really awkward because you wouldn't know what we're saying. And there would be this sense of fear, intimidation, or under, lack of understanding, or a little bit of I feel left out type thing that would come upon you because you might be thinking, well, maybe they're talking about me. How many people have been grew, around a group of people who are speaking another language and you think they're talking about you? That's the insecurity that we all carry, and so insecurities cause anxieties, which cause us to reject. I'm going to get away from this because this is not comfortable for me, and so it's easier for me to reject that and protect me and walk in what I know is comfortable and what I can understand. But yet I remain ignorant of what's truly going on, right? It's hard to admit, but it's true. So I want to talk to you about two things. We're actually going to talk about, well, you're, going to, you're thinking, I'm going to talk about one, we're actually going to talk about another. So there's, there's two aspects to this when we're talking about tongues. There is a gift. There's a gift that comes with interpretation, whether it's from that person or another person. There is also a grace. And Paul talks heavily about the grace of speaking in tongues. So I don't believe that everyone has the gift of speaking in tongues, but I believe everyone who is empowered by the Holy Spirit can receive the grace of speaking in tongues. But God's not going to force anything on you that you don't want. So there's a gift that comes from God, but the grace is to God. Let me show you. First Corinthians, uh, it, first, of all, first point on this, it's scriptural. So first struggle we need to overcome, it's scriptural. 1 Corinthians 14.2 is, For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. To God. For no one understands him. However, in the Spirit, he speaks mysteries. It's scriptural to speak in a tongue to, not just from God. So We're talking about two different things here. If you need to, I, I want to encourage you throughout the week to read this passage over and over and over, this scripture over and over. Like, what is it saying? Read it fresh. Take away your taught and your learned, your presuppositions. Always wipe away your presuppositions when you're going to the Word of God. Come to it fresh and new for a first experience. I don't care what Pastor John said. I'm going to come back here and I'm going to come fresh with whatever the Holy Spirit has to say to me. 1 Corinthians 14, 15 says, What is the conclusion then? I will pray with the Spirit, and I will also pray with understanding. Now, now you got to get this. I didn't write this. And, and you, can, you can always, when you start talking about tongues, you can always feel some resistance in the room. All of a sudden, the spirit of resistance just enters in, and, and guess who's carrying it? And so I, I don't have a problem with you having a problem with it, because I know it's true, because it's in the Word of God. If Whenever we're reading the Word of God and something rises up inside of you, you need to train yourself to identify what is, whatever it is that's rising up inside of you and what is it that's causing me to be a little bit uncomfortable with the Word of God. Then take that thing that's rising up in you and, sub, and, and subject it to the Word of God and say, Lord, this is not from you if it contradicts your Word. So what's the deal? And then allow him to teach you from that point. So, he says, I will sing with the Spirit, and I will also sing with understanding. He said, for if I pray in a tongue, this is verse 14, he said, for if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is fruitful. I don't understand what I'm saying, but I sure do feel fruitful. If I pray with my understanding, I pray with my understanding, then I feel fruitful as well there. What is this? I don't understand, but I know when I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding in that time is unfruitful. Then he comes back and says, well, if I, if I pray with the Spirit, then I will also pray with understanding. If I sing with the Spirit, and I will also sing with understanding. So what it, I'm going to pray in the Spirit, but I'm also going to pray with understanding. And so there's also times where I'll pray with intelligible words, words that I truly can understand, then I'll pray with words that are my prayer language. Here's what he's saying. But then there's also times where we'll pray with my prayer language, but I'll be listening unto, for intelligible words. So I'm, I'm praying to, the, to God, 
if I'm praying with my, my prayer language, I'm praying with the Spirit, as Paul says, well, I'm going to be listening to God. Because I don't even know what I'm saying, but God does. And he's going to bring me back revelation. He's going to communicate back to me the things that I can understand. God's not going to speak back to me a, a language I can't understand. Okay, so 1 Corinthians 14, 16 says, Otherwise, if you bless with the Spirit, how will he who occupies the place of the uninformed say amen at, the, at your giving of thanks? Now, when he says, you know, Paul says, I will bless or I will pray with the Spirit. What do you do whenever you're, you're at lunch and you're about to pray? You bless the food, right? I will pray or I will bless. When I bless or when I pray with the Spirit, when I bless with the Spirit, he says, how will he who occupies the place? The people who are there are, who, who don't understand or don't know the Lord, he says the uninformed, if they don't know the Lord and I start praying in tongues around them, what, what's going to happen? What good is that going to be? Since he does not understand, what do you say? 1 Corinthians 14, 17 says, For you indeed give thanks well, but the other is not edified. So if I'm sitting here praying in tongues, well, that's wonderful. I'm praying in other languages. Well, that's wonderful. I'm blessing the Lord, and I'm blessing me, but you're not edified. That does nothing for you, right? Unless it's an, it has an interpretation. So me praying in a prayer language, or when you pray in a prayer language, it's for you. It's your communication to the Lord. What does it do? It edifies you. So Paul is saying he is encouraging it, to pray often, pray in your prayer language. Why? Because it edifies you. He says, though, but if you're doing this and it's all out in public and you're doing it in a place where other people around and if unbelievers are there, they're not going to understand. It doesn't edify them. You're just going to cause more confusion. 1 Corinthians 4.18, though, he says, I thank my God I speak, I speak with tongues more than all of you. And... Then he says in verse 39, do not forbid to speak with tongues. And how many churches forbid speaking with tongues? It's a clear demand, command from God who wrote this through Paul that says, don't forbid it. Don't you dare forbid it. He gives structure and he gives order to it. But, uh, number two is it's a benefit. It's a benefit. 1 Corinthians 14, 4 says, He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but, or, and, he's not trying to cause a division between speaking in tongues and prophecy, but he says, but he who prophesies edifies the church. He says, do it. Pray in your prayer language in private. You should, and you should do it often. He says, I thank God that I do it way more than you. But when you come into a public setting, there needs to be an interpretation if there is going to be a prayer, if there is going to be the, the gift of speaking in tongues spoken out. There's no sense in doing it if it's going to cause confusion and it doesn't cause edification. So me, I need to do it. But I need to make sure I'm doing it when it's for me and it's not for show. Every Sunday when we're in worship, if you were sitting close enough, you would hear me praying in my prayer language. Why do I not yell it out? It would not edify you. It's not for you. It's for my communication to God. But when God has a message to his church, he can and will use the gift of tongues through someone because he also knows in that same room he is using someone with the gift of interpretation. So if there is not an interpreter, he says, then there should be no tongues spoken out loud so that it does not cause confusion should there be unbelievers in a church setting. You follow that? Now, where it's a great place to practice the, the, the gift of the Spirit, the, the fruit of the Spirit, sorry, the gifts of the Spirit. That's why we have Thrive Tribes. That's why we have small groups. You have these trusted, you know people, you know they're saved, you know where they're at in their walk, and you can play, experiment, and you can you can open up to actually allowing God to use you in those ways in a safe place as well, and it's not going to cause confusion to others, which causes them to create, it creates a little division. So in these settings, man, you should be praying in your, in your prayer language, but we shouldn't be yelling in our prayer language. That's when it becomes show. There's things that he says. So I, I know verse 23 says, will they not... Will they not say that you are out of your mind? If we're sitting here praying 
in our prayer language out loud, and there's people, unbelievers, who are in here, or unlearned people that don't understand. Now, I know that if I read the Bible, I get built up. If I read it in private, I get built up. If I read it in public, it builds you up, because you get it. I know I need all the building up I can get. I just can't walk this thing out without having a little bit of building up, and that building up can't come from me. It's got to come from the Lord. Ephesians 6 says this. This is not on the screen. I took it out, and then I put it back in. And it says, and we're talking about the, 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 salva- the, uh, the full armor of God. And it says, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Okay, we get that. And usually that's where you hear a, see a period. But it actually says semicolon, shows semicolon, praying always with all prayer and supplication. There's another attribute to the full armor of God, praying in the Spirit. Praying in the Spirit. You can do all those things, but you sure better do it praying in the Spirit. Okay? Jude 1.20 says, But you, beloved, building, up, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Spirit. You notice that he puts your most holy faith with praying in the Spirit. Isn't that interesting? This is not Paul. This is not John. This is, not, this is Jude praying in the most holy spirit, most holy faith, faith, praying in the spirit. But, uh, number three, it's a choice. 1 Corinthians 14, 14, go back to that. It says, for if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. What is the conclusion then? I will. I will pray with the Spirit, and I will also pray with understanding. He says, I will. I'm going to choose to do it. It's a choice to do it. Like I said, you can receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit, but you have to choose to do so, and you also have to choose to receive the grace of your prayer language so that you can be built up. Seeing that there's a, there's a mathematic equation here, it's really simple, and it equates to an empowered life. And if you don't feel like you're living the empowered life, you might need to go back in some of these steps and say, well, where am I in this thing? People are afraid that God is going to possess them, <laughs> and while they're in Brookshire's, and have them walking through, and all of a sudden they're running to the manager's desk, grabbing the intercom, and speaking in tongues over the intercom, and thinking, well, now I need an interpretation. Well, God's... God's not going to do that. That's not in God's nature to do that. That would be like you walking out, and right as you pass the tithe box, a huge, a large check jumps out of your wallet and into the tithe box, and finally you say, finally, I've, I've got the gift of giving. I've been praying for the gift of giving, and finally I got it. So, or you're, in, you're so impressed that you take out your check, and you write a very large check, and you put it in the tithe. Because we're going to talk about the gift of giving. Let's talk about giving, right? Let's, or you're, or you're walking through Brookshire's and all of a sudden there's a manifestation of the teaching gift that just overcomes you and you can't help but start teaching everybody about everything that's going on in that store and the structure is not going to happen. So you don't have to be afraid that that might happen. You don't have to be afraid of those things at all. Or some people say, well, well uh, you know, it just sounds like gibberish. I've tried and it sounds like gibberish. Um, did I... Did I read a couple of times the verse that says, if I pray in my spirit, my, my spirit, in the spirit, I don't understand. You're not supposed to understand. Sure, it sounds like gibberish. When my son starts to, is starting to speak, all he can say is, hola, hola. We think he's saying hola. He may just be mimicking what we're saying. Or he says, pff, 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 pff. I call him Papa. He may be saying his name. He may be saying something else. But I'm not going to condemn him for trying to speak. I'm going to encourage him to speak. Yes, it does sound like gibberish. It sounds like nonsense, but I'm going to encourage that. Why? Because I know it has a purpose, and I know it's going somewhere. Scripture clearly tells me, well, if I pray in the Spirit, I don't understand. My understanding is unfruitful, but I will. He says, but I'm going to do it anyway. But I'm going to pray in my Spirit, and I'm going to pray with understanding. I'm going to pray with my mind. I will. It's a choice. I'm going to encourage it. I'm going to, when, I, when I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I was in a church setting. I remember the pastor coming over, and he was laying hands on me and praying. I don't think this is the only, the only way it happens. For me, it did. I could feel, 
I could just feel the, the spirit, the presence over me. Just, I just felt peace, and I felt like I could finally relax. I could finally rest. Before I had, I had peace afterwards, I had empowerment afterwards, I had a lot of pity before. My life had a lot, carried a lot of pity before. But after that moment, I had a lot of empowerment. Now, I didn't receive my prayer language at that time. It was weeks later. I was alone. I was in a time of devotion. I was in a time of prayer. I was in a time of journaling. And I said, you know what, Holy Spirit, I am re- if, if it's for me, I am ready to receive my prayer language. And that's when I felt a bubbling up of the prayer gibberish in my spirit. And I just started agreeing with it by saying out loud the best I understood it. And it was very short at first. And it is very short at first. And so are your words when you start to speak any new language, even your first language. And our prayer language, we should be so comfortable in our prayer language that it's no different than our mother tongue or our first language. It should be equally as comfortable in our, in our prayer language as it is. We should be walking in, in times of what, whatever our experiences is throughout the day, and there should be this desire of bubbling up of our prayer language inside of us. But it's a choice. I've got to choose to practice it. I've got to choose to pray. In my, I've never been possessed by the Holy Spirit while I'm in time of prayer, and he's forced me to just start speaking in tongues. Never has happened. Never had. And I've been in the presence of the Holy Spirit a lot. You're Actually, you are in the presence of the Holy Spirit now. You will not be any more present of the Holy Spirit. You just have to become more aware of his presence here. And that is the major issue, and that's what we're wanting to confront right here, right now, today, is getting to this place where, you know what? I need to become more aware of what he is already doing, and that is a choice for me to receive everything, every gift that Christ has for me, because Christ wants to baptize you in and with the Holy Spirit. So I want to pray for you today. Luke eleven thirteen says this, If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, and you probably did this past Wednesday, how much more will your heavenly Father give you the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Some people say, well, I don't know when I open myself up to something evil. He's a good Father. And, and the verses that, that lead up to that say, So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks it will be open. Now, why would a good heavenly father give you a demon or something evil when you were sincerely asking for the gift of the Holy Spirit? He wouldn't do it. So we've got to debunk all these lies. What we have as framework are called ungodly belief systems. And they are keeping us from walking in the fullness of what Jesus Christ came for us to live. They're keeping us from the abundant, the abundant life that God wants for every one of his children. I'm no more blessed than you are. I'm just willing to walk in his gifts and will receive everything he has for me. And probably is just a little bit different from each and every one of you. And one from the next and the next and the next. But I want everything he has for me. So I want to do something. I want to I pray with you, if you will. Uh, if, you've, if you know you've received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, would you raise your hand? Like, you know. You know that you know that you know. Amen. Amen. Let's do this. If you know that you need the baptism of the Holy Spirit, would you stand up? You want to live the empowered life. Thank you. Swallow your pride. Swallow your pride. There can't be pride and the baptism of the Holy Spirit present in the same place. There's no, there's no needing. This is just, this is, and stay standing up. It's okay, Lance. Stay standing up. Many of you, okay, maybe, you've, maybe you've, you've been saved. Okay. Many of you, some of you probably need to have the water baptism. But we all need the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We all need this. And it's really simple. So I want you to just open your hands like you're receiving. 
And it's our, it's our intention in our mind that we think, well, this is where we start praying, and you don't pray. I'm going to give you some things to, to save, but you don't need to pray. So just be there receiving with your hands up, ready to grab. And some, some of you may need to ask for forgiveness. I know I did. I was so upset with the way some people treated others because they had been baptized in the Holy Spirit with what they called the initial physical evidence of speaking in tongues. Even though I grew up in that church, I was upset by the way they treated people who hadn't received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And so I literally rejected it for that case. I rejected him for that case. Until I got into an environment where they actually truly loved all people, whether they had the baptism of the Holy Spirit or they had not had the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And that helped me to receive the true Holy Spirit and everything that he had. And so some of you may need to ask for forgiveness because you might have been rejecting the Holy Spirit thinking you were doing the right thing. I know I did, and I was wrong. So I repented. So in your heart, say, Holy Spirit, please forgive me for ever rejecting you. And then, at, then ask, ask, ask Jesus this, and I'd like for you to say this out loud. Jesus, I would like to have every gift that you have to offer me. Will you baptize me in your Holy Spirit? I can just feel it just, even myself, I can feel the presence of the Holy Spirit just rising up inside of me. And just stay there receiving Him. I can feel even my spirit being elevated and being strengthened. Jesus, I see all the people that are receiving You right now. We just pray for the empowerment, the same empowerment, the same power that fell at Pentecost, the same power that fell on the 120, the same power that fell in Acts 5, Acts 10, Acts 8, Acts 19, the same power that has continually fallen. We pray for the same empowerment to fall over every individual, everyone that's standing and want to receive you for the first time. Those who need a freshened feeling, Father, we pray for the empowerment, the strengthening, the grace to come over them. Father, we pray that you fill them up from the bottom of their feet to the, the head, to the top of their head, Father. We pray that you just fill them up fresh, that you overflow back from the head down to the bottom of their feet, that you fill them up and strengthen them even now with your Holy Spirit, your holy presence, Lord. And it may be that he wants to give you the grace of his prayer, prayer language. And this is where you just listen to the, the Spirit inside, inside of you. This is the importance of learning the sensitivity of hearing the Holy Spirit move. Hearing his voice. When I began to receive my prayer language, it was just a, a bubbling up inside of me. It was things that I didn't understand. It was, it was like it was just syllables just coming out, desiring to come out. And they just needed me to open my mouth and begin to agree with them and, and say the same thing that was going on in my spirit. says for everyone who asks they will receive 
We receive Jesus by faith, and we receive the Holy Spirit the same way. It's by faith, believing that we have received, receiving the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. If you haven't received your prayer language, I want to encourage you sometime this week to spend time with the Holy Spirit and ask Him. And maybe you're still, if you're still standing, ask Him, Holy Spirit, I need this edifying spirit language. In your time with Him this week, just, just receive. Begin to choose. I choose. I choose. I will. Begin to put into practice the prayer language that's bubbling up inside of your spirit. And I promise you, you're going to begin to hear promptings of the Holy Spirit and walking in the Spirit, this life of walking in the Spirit means immediate obedience at the prompting of the Holy Spirit. As He puts little suggestions on your heart, you don't wrestle with it, you just do it. And you know it's God because it's edifying, it's encouraging, it's uplifting, it's blessing, and it brings favor and edification to others. Satan will never want you to do that. And there's probably many of you in right now, you can hear your prayer language just wanting to come out. I know mine does. It's important to practice that prayer language. I've heard some that say, I never can use my prayer language until I'm in an environment like this. Well, we need to be so accustomed to praying in our prayer language that it's just natural in any setting, in any environment, in any situation. I can just feel it, even right now. So the thing about when beginning to walk in the Spirit and having received the baptism of the Holy Spirit is a choice to believe. It's a choice to pursue and to press in. It's a choice to not believe old thinking because they're going to try to rise up. It's a choice to choose to believe, no, this was my experience. And when you start to speak in your prayer language, it's a choice to say, no, this is what the Word of God says. I remember even the first time I prayed, is that me? Is that the Lord? Yes. The answer is yes. Because he says, I will. I choose. Yes, if I pray in the Spirit, I'm, my, I'm understanding. I'm, my understanding is unfruitful, but I will. Yes. So I have to begin to just pray in these unintelligible words, believing that it's the Holy Spirit that's bubbling up inside of me and He's giving me those things. He is way more providential than you can ever imagine. And there's a co-laboring that begins to happen and begins to emerge out of your spirit, and then all of a sudden you're laboring, co-laboring with Him way more than you even understand you ever were. And then you've got to wrestle the lies of the enemy that come alongside that and start to speak negativity in it. Whether it's healing, prophetic, prayer language, Satan doesn't want it. Because they all edify the church and they edify you. He will attack those things with an all-out front of everything that he has. Because he doesn't want you to walk this empowered life that brings the abundance of Jesus Christ. 
So you have to choose. And in the pressing through, every one of those moments of faith, new boundaries of faith, you're walking in a new person. You're walking in the new creation that God has given you at your salvation moment, and he's cut away at the water baptism moment. And it's every one of those, you're breaking out of a boundary that you have been preset for. You're breaking into new territory, a new, a new area, and you'll get new understandings the more you walk in whatever that area of faith is that God's taking you into. But you need your prayer language so that you can be edified, so that you can walk this thing out. And that only comes through this moment right here. So there doesn't have to be a huge, wild moment. What there needs to be is you just saying, Holy Spirit, I want everything that you have. Jesus, will you baptize me in your Holy Spirit? And then I just believe that I have received because that's the Word of God. And it's in my believing that I have received that I'm becoming more aware of His presence because His presence was already thick in this room. I just needed to open my awareness and my receptors, my willingness to receive Him so that I could be more aware of His presence in this place. And then I just believe that I have received because He is a good Father. And His Word says that if I ask, he will give to anyone who asks. And if I ask, will he not give me the Holy Spirit? So it comes with a whole new level of dependency and understanding and trust in our Heavenly Father. So Father, we thank you so much for sending your Son. And Jesus, thank you so much for baptizing us in your Holy Spirit so that we can walk out this life moving into 2020, fully empowered, fully in tune with what you're saying. And Holy Spirit, I ask that you give each and every person the strength to practice the grace of their prayer language so that the church and themselves may be edified. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen and amen. Can we just stand up and just worship for a few minutes, just a minute? Let's just sing this together.